This is the year of the level up, right? So that's what we've been declaring. 2019, the year of the level up. God is depositing more promise into our life and investing into us more than we could ask, think, or imagine, right? How many of us have already encountered maybe a little bit of resistance to that? Yeah, I've sat with some of you. So we wanted to give you guys this month practical tools, not on how to engage warfare as an ambiguous idea, but to give you real definition and tools to say, okay, this is what warfare is. This is what it's not, but this is what it is. And this is how I protect myself from, from that, right? So this is how we've defined warfare uh, for us, which is going to be on the screen behind me. Spiritual warfare is not a war between God and Satan. God has defeated Satan. Amen. The war is over. But spiritual warfare are battles between Satan and your connection with God. We know this is a non-traditional approach or conversation surrounding warfare, but the key word to this is connection, right? The enemy is after your connection. That is warfare. So today we are diving into this topic, character as warfare. So let's pray. Jesus, you are so good and you're so holy and you're so merciful and you never demand our goodness at the expense of connection. But what you say is that you're so good, you come hunt us down no matter what's happening. But God, we acknowledge today that you are inviting us into more, understanding that as we remain connected to you, we develop good fruit in our lives. So God, we ask that you search us. God, search me. Address me. Change me. Heal my broken mindsets. Anything that's bringing disconnection between me and you, God. Heal it in your presence. God, we declare, declare that today is a day of healing. Today is a day of reconciliation in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Okay, so what is character? Uh, praise God for Google, right? So character is this. Character is the internal moral qualities of a person. Uh, better said, or the way I would say it, is, <laughs> I don't know if it's better said. It's just how I'd say it. Um, character is an internal reality, not the summation of your behaviors, Today, we are not discussing your behaviors. We can do that over a pastoral meeting at my house or here at the office. We can talk about behavior because how many of us know our behaviors matter in connections, all right? Right? If you want to act however you want to act, don't expect to be in deep connection with people because you're scary, okay? We can talk about that later. That's all we're talking about today. We can talk about it another time. But we are discussing your connection today. And to be honest, as funny as it all is, I, I do genuinely feel the fear of the Lord in sharing on this topic because there is this, ten, it's, it's tense, right? Surrounding this whole idea of holiness, character. What does that mean for the life of a believer? And really, really going after the root, right, of, of it all, which is this. Good character is the byproduct of connection. The attack, the warfare, is on the connection. If connection is severed, bad character becomes the byproduct. Okay? 
I'm not saying to be connected to God, you have to behave a certain way, okay? That's not true. While we were still sinners, God came to us, right? Isn't he good? But what I am submitting is that compromise in your character leads to severed connection. And it's not because God moves away from us. He's always moving towards us. But something happens when we compromise in our character and we separate ourselves from God. I don't know, shame, fear, all of those things come into play. But it's this whole reality that God's always chasing us down. He's always coming after connection, and he's always willing to have a connection. But when we compromise in our internal world, we set ourselves up for disconnection, which is the enemy's, like, playground, right? Disconnection. For me, my biggest struggle in this area is probably much like some of ours, whenever God talks to me about really tough stuff or tough things I have to do, I like, I kind of disengage. Uh, yeah. I like, I don't want to pray about that anymore. That's hard. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. No, nope, just me. Cool, cool. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you, God, anymore because you're asking me to do something hard and it really hurts and it's going to cost me something and I'm going to have to say no to something. And as a leader, like, that's really tough, right? Because for me, as a shepherd, um, I never want to hurt sheep, right? I never want to cause pain. I never want to cause disconnection. But the reality is that there are some times when leading, you know, is painful. It's painful. So for me, when God leads me, sometimes it's painful, and there's a temptation to disconnect from his voice. There's a temptation to disconnect from my, my life in relationship with him because I don't want to be accountable to what he's asking me to do, right? That's just me. But, but that's a reality, right? So that disconnect moment is where the enemy really loves to put his, like, fist right in the middle of that disconnect moment. And if we can if we can understand the power of that disconnection, we can realize the enemy's schemes, right? In the midst of that. So here's my challenge in my life. When God speaks to me, do I disconnect or do I lean in? If he's saying something that I don't like or feels uncomfortable and I disobey, that's what I articulate in my life as bad character. To me, disobedience is a lack of character. When I choose to stay connected to God, though, in the midst of those hard situations or big storms, that is a manifestation of good character, right? Because it's good connection. It's trust. It's leaning in. So, you know, nobody likes to be told to do hard things the first time. So this is why I told first service. This is like the first time God asks you to do something really, really challenging. You're like, oh my gosh, it's going to cost me major. This is going to be absolutely terrible and stretching. And then the first time you actually do it, you like realize, oh my gosh, he's just so good. I told Lyle, like, there's sometimes in my past where like a boyfriend broke up with me and I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> that was my flesh, okay? Not my good character. I'm like, I'm out of your league. I'm not, y'all, I'm telling you, this is flesh in the flesh. So I'm like, ah, oh, Lord, you know? And sometimes I'm like, you know, is that the enemy? It's just like pulling disconnection. And then you look back down the road and you're like, oh, praise God, you're so good. 
You're so good. Thank you for keeping me from doing something that was in the long run going to hurt me. And here's the thing. God knows beginning from end. We don't. And we should be very gentle when we think that we do um, because that is like the pride that comes before the big old fall. Um, And recognize that in that place of deep connection, we can find stability and we can find safety, right? So what does God ask you to do that's scary enough to cause you to disconnect from him? This is where the enemy likes to lurk. We all have familiar things that we like to disconnect from God on, you know? But in this, in this place, there's opportunity for character to grow and fruit to be established in your life. It's like that story in the Garden of Eden where there's original, the original sin, which was the serpent coming in Genesis 3, 1 through 4. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole thing. It'll be on the screen behind me, but... Uh, in verse 1, it said, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you know, we may eat of the fruit of the trees, but God said, we shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that is in the midst of this garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And that's what happens in the midst of hard requests from the Lord. The enemy likes to come in and bring lies. And the enemy is not, he's not God, right? He's not everywhere. He doesn't know everything. He's not all powerful. But what he can do is give you a lie that you'll perpetuate in your life for many, many, many years past the lie. This is why inner healing is so important and counseling and input in your life, right? Because somebody can look at you and say, "Mm, yeah, God definitely isn't saying that. You know, that sounds like the voice of the accuser in your life. That doesn't sound like a voice of grace, mercy, empowerment, life, challenge unto growth, you know? But that's what the enemy does. And we see in the Bible very differing responses. And I love this because there's the contrasting picture in the New Testament when Jesus gets sent into the wilderness uh, after he is launched into ministry, after he gets baptized, right? So it's the, it's the, you know, the picture that the serpent or Satan comes to him in the wilderness. And I said this in first service, you know, God or Jesus was sent into the wilderness by the spirit in order to be tested. And like some people's theology can't hold that, but that's what the Bible says. But it's because testing reveals character, right? It reveals fruit. You, like, listen, you can't fake fruit. You can, like, tell me all day that you're good, you're ready, life is going great, and then when one moment of shaking comes into your life, I actually know. Like, what's the fruit there, right? Because testing is God's mercy to us to reveal to us actually where we're at in our connection with him. Because it's like, what, can, what, what will cause disconnection, you know? So Jesus' response is basically like, no, you know, God is who he says he is. God can do through me what he says he's going to do. And he's all powerful. You aren't. Bye. And in that place, it revealed Jesus' character. But here's the reality. Compromise in our life leads to a severed connection. The enemy likes to say that you can compromise and it won't hurt your connection. And he works so hard to convince you that sin is so small Until you do it, then he works to convince you that's super big and unforgivable. (laughs) Right? I can't clean that mess up. You're dumb. Right? That's the way the enemy, because he just lies. That's all he can do. He's just a liar. He's just ridiculous. All he does is lie. And some 
for some reason, in the midst of disconnection, we tend to embrace those lies in our life. So I'm going to kind of fly through this. I have a couple minutes, but we're going to read from uh, Psalm 112, verses 1 through 7. And we're going to kind of unpack a couple of truths in regards to somebody who is in connection and a life of character being outworked. And this psalm is really being, or is really been a source of comfort for me in this season and a place where I'm gathering a lot of life. So I hope it's the same for you. So Psalm 112, one through seven says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Do we disconnect from God on the pathway to our promise? You know, Lyle always says, God gives us prophetic insight because we're going to need it on the journey to fulfilling the word, right? That we're going to need that insight because testing comes on the journey, right? So what do you do when a test comes? Do you disconnect? Do you throw out all your years and say, oh, well, mustn't be right, you know? Or do you lean in and, and, and find what's really there on the inside? What fruit is actually there? Most people think that we have to connect because we have good character in the sense like we, we have to maintain our connection with God through good character. But it's God never, he never disconnects from us. He's always maintaining the connection. It's just, do we disconnect from him? So here, here are these seven truths that I found. And I'm going to start off with just the first little section, which is praise the Lord, which is character is worship character is worship. Often people equate good character with no fun. To make good choices is no fun. Listen, righteousness is praiseworthy. We worship him because he's good. He's holy. He never fails us. We fail all the time. He never fails us. To be, to be righteous is notably enjoyable and good character is, is what we worship about Jesus. He's faithful. There's joy in it. Second part of verse one is this. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And here's the truth in that. Realize that you are blessed when you fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord has been a misunderstood topic within uh, church for uh, many, many years. I think that there has come in and out waves of truth um, with it. But the fear of the Lord is truth. The fear of the Lord is righteousness. But here's what, here's what I mean when I say the fear of the Lord. It's not the fear of being close to God because he's going to do something to you. It's the fear of being away from him. It's the reality that our lives don't make much sense without his goodness. Our lives are only upheld by his gentleness. And to be away from him would be so confusing. And we experience chaos in our life when we're disconnected from his presence. There's safety and submission to God in the same way that there's safety for kids to be submitted to their parents, right? The Lord gave family as a picture, right, to our relationship with the Godhead. Family is there to steward the picture of a kingdom reality, right? Right? 
which is God is a good father. He's safe. And in submission, and not just submission like in an abusive sense, right? God's not abusive. He's kind and he's good. But submission in the sense that in him we find safety. And he's like, you know, like the rock we hide ourselves under in times of tragedy, in times of chaos, Verse 2 says, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And this is the truth. You will leave a legacy when you embrace good character. You cannot leave a legacy if you do not have good character. Why? Because you live for yourself and that's all that matters. Legacy is all about what you give next. Uh, The Christian life is the pathway is legacy. So God articulates it like this. Glory to glory to glory to glory, right? We are to, that's legacy, right? It's that what happened here can go to the next level in what's next, right? And we shout about that, but then we live our lives so for ourselves thinking, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But that's also why I tell, you know, all my friends and you guys, because I'm your pastor, bring your kids to church. You know, this is so beautiful. Why? Because we can create healthy holistic guardrails in their life that point them in the direction of Jesus. Listen, promises are great. Okay, our prophetic promises are awesome, but that is not the goal of our lives. Okay, the goal of our life is Jesus. That's it. He's the goal of our life, which is why sin is so dangerous. Because sin means to miss the mark, and the mark of our life is Jesus. And to be disconnected from him means that we're not actually headed towards him, right? You could say that so easily in your friendships or your marriages. If I'm not focused on you, focused on our connection, then I'll miss you, right? Same thing. Verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness endures forever. The truth is this. Wealth is attracted to good character. You might get wealthy with, without good character, but rarely do people stay wealthy without good character. And I like reading this verse in this way too. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever in the sense that despite the fact that wealth and riches are in his house, his righteousness keeps enduring forever. Now we don't lay back on our influence. We don't lay back on our wealth as as the signal to holiness and good character in our lives. We don't use that as a reason to, to say, I'm good. You know, God must be approving of my life. God must be approving of what I do. It's the fact that, yes, the influence is there. Yes, the wealth is there. Yes, the house is there. The car is there. But my righteousness continues either way. Whether it's there, whether it's not, keeps going. All right, verse four, which is my favorite verse in this whole thing. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. And the truth is this, even in dark seasons, the righteous will feel light and joy. Even when it's dark, the righteous somehow find something beautiful out of it, right? You know those people, and they're not just annoyingly positive, ignoring what's happening. They're like, even in the midst of this, there's something good, and there's something God, and I can see Jesus in this, and I can see his presence here. That is a manifestation of good character and connection to the heart of the Father. Verse five, it is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. And the truth is this, justice and wisdom are the byproduct of good character. Character is revealed when judgments and decisions have to be made. 
God's character is revealed when judgments and decisions have to be made. Good character is always a pop quiz. It does not casually come to your door and notify you that it's coming up down the road. Good character is the boy who slides into your DMs at 1.30 in the morning, okay? No, I'm serious. I'm so, so serious. And if you're married, this is even more, this is like, this is still the truth, right? Okay, listen, it's a pop quiz. What you do when nobody is watching matters, okay? And it doesn't just matter because I need you to be good. I don't, I don't really, I care because I want to be in a relationship with you. But it's not in the sense that keeps you from connection with God. God's always chasing you down. He's there with you at 1.30 in the morning watching it. It's ridiculous that we try to hide. But he's there in it. It's not that he's far away. It's that we're far away. But when judgments have to be made, you cannot fake that fruit. When you have to lead in the time of trouble, you cannot fake that good fruit. When you have to make the hard decision for your family to move them to another state, that's when good character is revealed, right? When you have to make the hard decision for your kids to say, Mm-mm, no more, you can't go to that school, it's not good, it's not good for your health, right? It's, that's where the good character is revealed in, in moments of justice and wisdom. But here's also the thing, Good character is revealed when you are asked to do something for somebody who can give you nothing. If you get, this is going to sound harsher than it actually is supposed to, but know that I love you. When, when somebody asks you to serve, like, do you get annoyed? Like that, oh, I'm with kids all the time, you know? I get it. But that's a measure. That's a revelation of what's happening on the inside. They can't do anything for you do anything for you but you're just pouring your life because you know it matters because they matter and that's good character because they matter right I'm trying to get through this but you guys are amazing okay verse six for the righteous will never be moved and he will be remembered forever and this is the truth stability comes with good character good character is concrete despite any and all warfare you stay stable how do you handle warfare how do you handle the shaking, the struggle, the test? Are you concrete or do you run away? Do you run away? Nobody cares about how you handle fanfare. They want to know how you handle struggle. Do you run away? You're, you're unsafe. Do you stay? You're safe. I do not follow any leaders who have encountered struggle and run away. I only follow leaders who are like, I, I got smacked in the mouth warfare. My, and I said this in first service and it threw me off because I've had leaders that have had kids go to heaven out of time, lose their spouses, deal with oppression, see kids die that didn't get food. And they're like, I'm still here. God is still good. And I don't understand every situation, but he's still good. And that's why I'm like, sign me up. I'll follow you forever. Because you're following Jesus. It's like Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? He was a safe leader because he stayed even when the ship wrecked. You know? Tuck up under people like that. If you've been hurt, tuck up under somebody who can get in the struggle and stay, right? Warfare does not determine character, it reveals it. Remember. Verse seven, and we're closing, you can stand up. We're gonna sing a song of worship after this and close out with this. Verse seven, he is not afraid of bad news. 
His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Here is the truth. Bad news has no long-term or serious effect on the path of the righteous. I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know what lie got told to you at seven or experience that happened to you. But what I do know is that as you pursue connection with the one who is holy, who is good, who never lets you down, those places in your life will resolve and they'll find healing and they'll find wholeness again. I'm not saying that bad news doesn't hurt, but bad news will not cause you to compromise. Where do you run when you hear bad news? Where do you run when there's a threat of a storm? Do you run to alcohol? Do you run to your unhealthy friends? Do you run to, you know, that boy that isn't so great for you? Or that girl at work that's doing it for you? (laughs) You know, she's just doing all the right things. Listen, where do you run? when you hear bad news? Do you run to connection with the Father? This is why we say worship is warfare, right? Because when you hear something bad, what's your response, right? Is it worship or is it run away, compromise? There's, I'm sharing this from the most humble place in my heart and I have let the Lord address me over and over and over this week on this thing because I know areas of my life where in times of pressing, I run the opposite direction. Here's what, I, here's what I know. There's no life in that. There's no fruit in that. And all there is is chaos, confusion, disconnection. Just, I mean, there's backbiting. There's gossip. There's all of the lies that the enemy is sowing in that place and it creates that divide. Ugh, I don't want to be close to God. So this morning... I don't know. I don't even know really what to do aside from worship. But here's the here's thing. Remind, remember, you don't have, it, I'm not saying you have to behave in order to be connected to God, okay? Okay? You hear it. But what I am saying is that your connection with God is a safeguard for compromise. And compromise will kick you out of your promised land. It will kick you out so hard I'm talking about the little things. I'm like, like the, that become big things, right? Kind of like, that you're like, it's fine. Let the Lord address it. He's not compartmentalized to just your prayer times. He's talking to you all the time while you're driving in the car, even when you're like turning up Beyonce a little louder because you're like, I don't want to listen. But he's talking to you. Let him talk to you. He's good. He's not scary. The fear of the Lord is not being, the fear of being close to him because he's going to do something to you. It's the fear that being away from him, my life makes no sense. My life makes no sense. But with him and in a place of connection and worship, I can actually live a life filled with peace, filled with steadfastness and concrete knowledge that he's good, right? 